Remain standing all over this building. We give honor to everyone that's made it out tonight. We've had a prophetic touch of the Lord already this morning. And in our elders meeting before church with our daughter work pastors, Bishop Morgan began to speak in the Holy Ghost to us. And it was very, very powerful. So we're very thankful for what the Lord's doing, what He's done, what He's about to do. But I believe that I believe the atmosphere is set for a word from the Lord. As Elisha, the, the striking of the minstrel, the music brought a prophetic touch of God. And we are so honored to have you. Appreciate who you are. He's the superintendent of the Western District, which is in California. Pastors in San Francisco doing a wonderful work there. And... Uh, we're just so thrilled that he's made his way. And how many's ready to hear what the Spirit's going to say to the church tonight? Amen. Let's worship the Lord while Bishop Morgan comes to preach the Word of God. Amen. I mean, you love your pastor. Amen. You know, the Bible says I'll give you pastors after him my own heart and I believe God chooses and chooses the right shepherds under shepherds whatever you call it and and so God has certainly uh, blessed this church in this area with leadership of Pastor Aaron Bounds and his family and of course this wonderful staff amen and uh, God bless you thankful for the ministry brother Bounds which is even beyond Zanesville in this area, but thankful for it doing our fellowship and uh, It's exciting to know that we have I won't say a young man not that he's young, but a young man that uh, Men like this that are coming on that gives us a sense of uh, Peace about the future of the church Amen, and I appreciate that very much and I wanted to know that amen and, uh, Amen Sister Morgan may come in here in a little bit. She's kind of been under the weather just a little. And uh, when I left her, she was curled up, laying on the bed, kind of chilling a little bit. And uh, so uh, she said, I'm ready to go. I just called me a while ago. I'm, I'll try to get there. I just don't want to, if I got something wrong, I don't want to pass it on to somebody else. So I don't know. I guess we could all go buy some of them a little mask, you know, and we'll kind of put them on during church. And, wear them amen but um, God bless you wonderful people amen I want to turn your attention to the book of Hebrews the 12th chapter I want to read one verse it's a short verse verse 29 Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 29 you glad you're in the house of the Lord tonight Amen. I got my tie on tonight. Wonderful, wonderful gift from God that was at the motel when I got there. My luggage. Amen. And uh, thank the Lord. I, I uh, we let me tell you a funny. You want to hear a funny story? Uh, we uh, we my wife likes going to consignment stores, and so we have a couple consignment stores in San Francisco that are really nice and. So we went into one one day, and there's a, a lady that was working at the counter, and I got up there and 
started talking to her, and, and uh, uh, she's, she's an Italian from New York. And I mean a true Italian, amen. Do we have any true Italians here? I see a hand down there, amen. Is that your husband next to you? Is that your husband? No. I was going to say, if he is, I'm going to pray for him, especially if you're Italian. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, long story short, we end up winning this girl, started coming to church. And, uh, and so, and, and she knows a certain brand of, of, of neckties that I like. And so she'll, she'll send myself or John Mark a text and say, hey, I got some ties. If you want to look at them, they're really nice and also, and so... So she had told us one day that she, she had some ties she wanted us to look at. Well, we're at church, and she had come up. We bring her offering to the front. So she had come up and put her offering and tithe in the offering plate. And when she would come walking back by me, I said, hey, where, where's the ties? And she thought I said tithe. <laughs> and she gets this real fearful look on her face like, oh, my God. And she said, well, I, I just put them in the offering plate. <laughs> so I'm glad to have my tie here tonight. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Everybody say, our God is a consuming fire. Remember that old song we used to sing? I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Remember that song? Burning with the Holy Ghost. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, I want you to catch on fire. Now tell him with some conviction, I want you to catch on fire. Jesus, thank you for this service. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the impact it's having. Thank you for the leadership. I pray a special blessing upon all. I pray that you help us tonight, God, that we would follow your will, your voice, follow the direction, the will of the Holy Ghost. We take this service into subjection in the name of Jesus Christ. Confirm your word tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Turn to somebody else and tell them, say, I, I wish you'd catch on fire. You may be seated. Amen. John the Baptist was preaching a pretty powerful message. Now, I know we Pentecostals quote it, and we talk about it in a very positive light, and it is, especially if the point that I'm about to make, if we understand that. But when John said, I baptize you unto repentance, but he that cometh after me, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire here tonight. Man, Man we, we talk about the Holy Ghost and fire. I want us to understand, really, because if you read the rest of that, 
John went on to say that his fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his threshing floor. If you understand anything about that, you recognize that in a time of harvest, that there was something called the winnowing of that harvest. When they cut it, they'd cut the chaff, they'd cut up the impurities with it, and then they'd take it and some of them would just toss it up and the wind, the wind, grain was much heavier than the chaff. And so the wind would catch the chaff and blow it a distance away, and the true grain would fall. There was no, there was no wind, and they had a winnowing or a fan, and they would fan it. And as they would create uh, the current of air that would move the chaff, then after a while there'd be a pile of chaff over here, and then the farmer, the one that owned it, would torch it burn it. That's the reason why John said when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Because our God is a consuming fire. Do you mind if I preach to you tonight? Our God is a consuming fire. The fire of the Holy Ghost that comes into your life was sent into your life to consume the chaff and the unrighteousness that's in you. That's what that verse really means. Now, to understand all of that, you have to go to Peter's writings where he talks about that just as much as the world and the water that flooded the world was held in reserve until Noah entered the ark, just as much as the flood and water played a part in God's first act of judgment against the world, he said, just like it was held until its rightful time, he said, the same thing is being done with fire. He said, the heavens have it in reserve. But when God gets through with this world, just as he did with the flood and water that eradicated all the unrighteousness, he said that he's going to do it in his sectic act of judgment with fire. Thank God, in spite of what some people have turned it into, thank God for the rainbow that's in the sky, which is a symbol to us that God said, I will never destroy this world again with water. But don't let the rainbow fool you. He may not destroy it with water, but he does have a plan that he will eradicate all unrighteousness and destroy it with the fire. Our God is a consuming fire. I want you to notice the same water that, that was judgment against the world is what saved Noah and his family. The same ingredient, the same water. It carried Noah from an old world, this world that is about to be destroyed, carried him over into a new world. And it was done by water. I could preach to you tonight about the power of water baptism. That when you go into that watery grave, you're coming out of an old world. And when that preacher baptizes you and brings you through the water, and when you come out on the other side, you should be in a new world. You should be a new creature. Water. Peter taught us that. I also find it amazing that when they got ready to find out if the waters had subsided, 
that Noah sent a, well, a couple other birds, but he finally sent a dove. And when that dove returned with that olive branch, it was a sign and a symbol. There's a new world out there. I'm glad that when Jesus Christ came up out of the water, that the Holy Ghost come descending like unto a dove. It was not by accident that that happened exactly that way. It was the sign coming from God. There's going to be a new world. There's going to be a new creation. There's going to be a new creature. I'm glad that when the preacher puts you down in the watery grave and you come up on the other side into the newness of life that God said, now I'm going to give you a sign and a symbol that you live in a new world, and that's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. Now, just as that water was the ingredient that God used to destroy that world but to save Noah, the same thing happens to us, not by water but by fire. The same fire that's going to destroy this world is the same fire that God uses to save you. Just as he used water, he's going to use fire now. I make this statement and I say it very boldly. You can burn now or you can burn later, but you're going to burn. I want to say it again. You can burn now or you can burn later, but you're going to burn. I would just as soon as our God that's a consuming fire come into my life in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and begin to burn out of me all the unrighteousness and all of the chaff. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire here tonight. Our God is a consuming fire. Turn to somebody else and tell them, I want you to catch on fire. Mm. Everything that's not like God, the fire comes to consume it. John G. Lake, who was a medical doctor in the 1800s that went to Africa and lost his first wife there due to some diseases and stuff or really exhaustion, come back to the States, settled in uh, somewhere in the northwest. I'll forget the city. Uh, I've been there. Oh, Lord. Spokane, Washington. Settled there in Spokane, Washington, and they had what they call healing rooms. In a five-year period of time in Spokane, Washington, there were 10,000 documented miracles. These healing rooms they'd bring people into. It's during the day of the iron lung and tuberculosis and people were dying. And they would send people from all across America and the world to, Seattle, or to uh, Spokane to these healing rooms. And people would leave. And it was even declared by the U.S. government. Are you ready for this one? That Spokane, Washington is the healthiest city in the world to live because the power of God is there to heal. But they asked John Lake one time and said, Dr. Lake, how does this happen? Well, you'd come, they'd take you in one of these prayer rooms, and they'd begin to pray for you. And if John G. Lake prayed for you, this is how he would describe it. He said, I'd go to praying, and he said, I'd see the throne of God. And he said, coming from the throne of God, I'd see fire fall. And he said, I'd watch that fire enter into that person's body. And when it would enter into their body, it would illuminate in their body where the disease was or where the sickness was. And once I'd seen that, I'd watch that same fire 
I'd watch it consume that darkness out of their body. And I'd watch it consume the sickness out of them and the disease out of them. I'm telling you that a part of chaff is sickness. And our God is a consuming fire. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall in the church. I said, we need the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall in the church. Now, I could talk a lot about that and, and, and maybe in there. Amen. Uh, this, this whole revelation about fire, let me, let me tell you, uh, this is where it's going to get interesting, all right? Let me tell you kind of how it come about. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this morning or in the meeting prior to the service and all, but uh, God called me to a little town in, in uh, Oklahoma called Okmulgee, Oklahoma. It's about 25 miles uh, south of, anybody ever been to Okmulgee? Yeah, no, I see somebody, who else, somebody else out there been to Old Mogi? Oh, come on up here. We're going to pray for you right now. <laughs> 25 miles south of Tulsa, Old Mogi, Oklahoma, population 17,000. And uh, God sent me there, and I'd come off the evangelistic field. I was 26 when I was voted in as pastor of the Old Mogi Church. Boy, was I about to get an education. And I was an evangelist. Let's, let's just preach revival and faith and pray people through and have victory and build a church. Well, you know, no, nobody told me about family-owned and operated churches. And, and I don't have just, I'm just when I got there, we had two church boards. We had a church board. We had a board of trustees. And they literally would fight each other on who was going to run the church. I had, a, I had a wise pastor friend of mine said, that's to your advantage. Just let them duke it out. <laughs> he said, you just sat there and let it take its course. And he said, God's going to eradicate some stuff. I mean, I've, I've been in some meetings with those guys. And what was really bad is, is there were two brothers in the church. And one was on the board of trustees. The other was on the church board. <laughs> it was kind of like the Civil War. <laughs> brother against brother. And I'm telling you, I've had them in the office about to square off physically over a stupid piano. <laughs> one of the boards voted and agreed to purchase a piano, and they went down. We had one of the girls in the church that worked for a bank there, and so they went down, borrowed the money. Pastor and the board went down, signed it. Well, the other board, whichever one it was, I remember it's church board of trustees, they didn't want the piano and they didn't like it, and they're the ones that control the finances. And so they told the church secretary, and I don't understand all how this works, but they told the church secretary not to make the payment on the piano. And so I just barely had got there. I'm there maybe two or three months at the most. And so the girl from the church says, hey, I need to talk to you. The church is way behind on its piano payment. I said, what piano payment? Well, we purchased this piano, so I called, I called a meeting, and what I do is I say, I need to have a board meeting. Well, the, both boards would show up. <laughs> Boy, it's quiet in here right now. Both boards would show up, and I, I, I said, guys, we've got to pay for this. We've got to make the payments on this piano. 
And I mean, some of the guys say, yeah, you know, and the other guys say, we didn't want it, we didn't sign for it, and they could come repossess it. We don't care. And you're supposed to be a leader in the church. Mm. That kind of stuff. My first year anniversary, we got Brother Urshan to come preach, and they're down there practicing. And, and, and I had a lady in the church tell me, she said, if you make it here a year, I'll give you $1,000. <laughs> she still owes me $1,000. <laughs> I made it. She didn't. I mean, you know, if you're down at the bar getting drunk, you're not going to make it. <laughs> uh oh, so we're down there practicing, and the next thing I know, we got a young couple about to get a divorce, and he comes in and drags his wife down the center aisle by the hair of her head. He's supposed to be leaders in the church. Musicians. I'm glad you got good musicians, but I'm telling you that, anyway, never mind. <laughs> and I mean, they get out in the parking lot, and it ended up in a fist fight out there with people in the church. I had just come in somewhere, getting ready for these services, and I hadn't even put my suitcases down, and the phone rings. You better have them get down to the church. They're down there fighting. And when I pulled up in the church parking lot, I mean, they were going at it. I have a Ph.D. in pastoring. <laughs> it, was, it was resistance after resistance after resistance. Now, here's where I want to start into this. It was tremendous spiritual resistance. It was, it was a place of spiritual darkness. It really was. Now, this has no, not trying to be politically incorrect, but I'll just say it. Okmulgee was 30-something percent African-American, 31-2% whatever it was, Native American, and 30-something percent starchy white people. <laughs> I can talk about this because I am one. And I can remember the day I was coming back from Tulsa frustrated because we wasn't having growth and revival. And I'll never forget God said, you're not going to have it because you're only going to 30% of your population. And they don't want me. Your revival will come in the other communities. And so I started talking to the church. Now, I'm not after you, so just, just listen. I started talking to the church about we're going we're gonna to reach over into some other communities and ethnic groups and stuff. And, and they're all like, well, we're not prejudiced. Well, no, you're not prejudiced as long as they're not here. But when other ethnic groups come in, they want their kind of music played and they want to do things their way. There's where you start finding out. Boy, it's quiet at Zanesville right now. I hired an African-American music director from Vallejo, California. The boy's bad to the bone. <laughs> I hired him and brought him. I'd been there a while. I hired because, you know, we all like Garth Brooks kind of music. 
Some of those boys in the church had belt buckles. I'm t I told one of them, I said, I don't see how you don't have back problems with a belt buckle that big. <laughs> and so I, I hired this boy, brought him in, and I said, you know, I, need, I want you to work with the music department and stuff. And he said, okay. So I went to him. He'd been there two or three. I said, hey, listen, how's the choir doing? I said, when do you think that they're going to be ready? He said, mmm. He said, it's going to be about three or four months. I said, three or four months? I said, is it that bad? He said, well, they're not dead, but they're terminally ill. <laughs> but I'm telling you, the first night the choir sang, and they got to swaying. And it was Hezekiah walking. <laughs> All I knew is, oh, God, I'm going to get run out of town. I'm telling you right now. And I mean, I turned around and looked. <laughs> and it was like. <laughs> and, and I mean, I had him get up. I had him get up and tell me. I had Brother Sam. I don't know why I'm on this, but I am. I had Brother Sam Emery come preach his first revival. I was preaching, I was preaching in his home church where he pastors now Merced, and I turned around on the platform and looked at his pastor and said, I want him to come preach for me. Can he come preach for me? Yeah, he can come preach for you. So after church, I said, hey, I need to get your information. Why don't you come preach for me? He said, I ain't preaching for you. Sam, remember, I ain't preaching for you. I said, yeah, I want you to come preach for you. No, you intimidate me. I don't want to come preach for you. Ain't no way I'm going to come preach for you. I said, yeah, you're going to come preach for me. So we set it up. So he come and preach three nights, and I'm telling you, at the close of three nights, we're in the office, and I said, the Holy Ghost said that you're, you're not going to keep working a job. God's called you to evangelize. Ain't no way. I can never stay busy. <laughs> well, really? <laughs> Tell him, not me. <laughs> and he said, there ain't no way. I said, no, you're going to evangelize for a season. But I said, the Holy Ghost also said, at the close of that season, you're going to go home and pastor your home church. He said, ain't no way. It's already set up. We know who's going to take that church. I said, the Holy Ghost said, it's for a season. You will go back and you'll pastor your home church. And that's exactly how it happened. But after he left preaching the first day, I had one of the men in the church stand up and want to know when I was going to protect that pulpit from letting colored people in it. Next. It ain't the color boy you need to worry about now. It's the mad white boy. I am not a good pastor. I'm not. I'm going to say I'm not. I, I, lose, I lose patience with people. I was on a panel here a while back, and they said, uh, Brother Morgan, we'd like to know. Uh, tell us what you think a successful discipleship program. Make sure people get to where they need to go. I said, that's easy. I said, as soon as they pray through, shoot them. <laughs> Been baptized? Yeah. Spoke in tongues? Yeah. Boom, there you go. I had a guy come up the other day, started in something, something just trivial. 
And I, I, now I'm just telling you, this is me, and you, you, you guys ought to thank God you got this man for your pastor. <laughs> this guy come up here a while back, and he started saying something. I said, I said, you really think I want to hear about that? I said, you need to go talk to somebody who really is interested in that. Leave me up. I said, I don't even want to talk about that. Just, just, just run on down the road. Now, the guy that stood up and said that about the pulpit, this is how I responded to that. I said, you need to go right out those back doors because you're prejudiced. I just had got a break in the African-American community. I had brand new disciples sitting on the pew, and this idiot. I'm getting mad just thinking about it again. Don't let that back door hit you where the good Lord split you. I done messed this server so up. I mean, it's bad. Okay, back, back to the, what I really need to say. I told the Lord, don't let me say something I shouldn't say, and here I am. I've already done it. Amen. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just first four or five. It was just spiritual resistance, darkness. What I was going to say is we battled a lot of the Native American culture and medicine and their medicine stuff and their spiritual stuff and all. It's just... You know, you got white folks over here content to be in some denominational church. And then you got the African-Americans and stuff, and we got them over. Seriously, we had them over on one of the other sides of the town and let them go to their churches. And it's just a bit. And then we got all, and it was just wickedness and spirit. And that little town, it was so full of just evil stuff. We had murders they never saw. Had a guy beat to death at a McDonald's with a mop bucket, and they never could... And then come to find out, a lot, of the, a lot of our government officials were involved in all kinds of sex rings and drugs, traffic. It's just, it's just it was a mess. It's a mess. And, I, and we're trying to have revival and all that. And I just, I'm telling you, man, we kept hitting the wall. We just kept hitting the wall and kept hitting the wall and kept hitting the wall. And I'm just like, oh, my God, uh, this, this is crazy, you know. And so I was preaching in Little Rock, Arkansas. And, and so I, I'd been driving back and forth. It was about a four-hour drive. So they said, look, we got your room. Come in early day and rest a little bit. So I asked one of the men in the church, I said, why don't you go with me and, and help me drive? And I always ask people to do that, and I never let them drive. I've had a couple that I let drive, and wasn't a good wasn't a good experience. <laughs> I had one boy at Brother, I'm telling all kinds of crazy stories. At one point, Brother Ewing's church, I had to go from Brother Ewing's on a Sunday night after church to Dallas. And well, we, we want Tyrell to drive you. I said, now, Tyrell, you're good and awake. Yes, sir. I said, now, Tyrell, I can drive. I don't mind driving. Oh, no, sir, I'm awake, man. And he said, but the bishop told me I got to get you there. You're not going to drive. I'm going to drive. I said, okay, you, you sure you're okay? I'm, well, yeah, man, I can stay up all night. I'm fine. So, okay, all right. So we'd been going a little bit, and I doze off. And when I come to, the car was doing this, and... <laughs> And going to kind of like this, and, and he had fallen asleep, crossed over the center median, crossed over the other two lanes of traffic, and we were going off on the other side <laughs> when he woke up. <laughs> so he jerked us back around. We crossed back over, <laughs> got over on the other side. He said, whew. I said, that's it. I said, I, I'm going to drive. He said, oh, no, sir. I said, Bishop, you didn't kill me if you drive. I said, let me tell you something. <laughs> You had your one chance at killing me, and you didn't get it done. 
and it's not the bishop you need to worry about right now. It's the guy in the car with you that's going to kill you if you don't let me drive. No, I'm wide awake. I said, get out. I'm driving. He got over the patch and said, we hadn't gone 10 miles down the road. And I look over. He's got Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so messed up right now. It's all this new medicine that I'm on. I even told a guy the other day, he was fussing. I said, listen, you need to stop. He said, why? I said, because you're about to push me past my medicine. I'm trying to get you to laugh because I'm fixing to hit you here in a little bit. <laughs> so we just, so we're, this guy goes with me. And we get, we get there checked in. And so I, I told him, I said, look, I said, uh, I, I really feel like I need to pray for a while. And I said, there's a nice mall down the road down here and some good restaurants. And I'll give you a little money and go on down there. And he said, what, what you going to do? I said, I need to pray. I'm going to stay here in the room and pray. Oh, no, if you're going to pray, I'm going to pray with you. Well, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I, I believe in community prayer, but there's other times you just want to be kind of personal. You know, I don't like sharing my toothbrush with anybody else but me. And that's kind of the way I felt about that. I, I just, this kind of personal deal right now. No, I'm, I'm, so we, we start praying. We prayed a while. Then just like hitting the ceiling, bouncing back down. And so, you know, I knew what he thought. Oh, man, I'm going to pray to Brother Morgan. It's going to be a great thing. So I, it's just, it's, you know, nothing's going on. And so I said, okay, look, uh, I'm, I'm going to pray a little longer. There's a nice mall down the road, and there's some nice restaurants. And if you want to go into, oh, no, you're going to pray some more? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pray with you. I mean, I'm telling you, the first time we started praying, I did the prayer walk, prayer talk, prayer wheel, and none of it worked. I even got down between the bed and the wall, propped up with pillows, begging God, just talk to me. I need some help here. And so, uh, so we're, we're going to pray a little longer. And I had maybe taken three or four steps across that little motel room entryway there, and it happened. Now, I'm telling you, it's only happened to me a few times in my life, but when it does, it starts with me hearing a wind blow. And I heard that wind blow into that motel room. Just. And when I turned. Now I, it happened when one other time. Brother Godwin was with me. And Brother Godwin will tell you. When it come into that room. And that wind blew in there. It was in our living room. And it knocked Brother Godwin backwards. He hit, he hit our couch. Fell backwards. And catapulted on the other side of the couch. This morning had it kind of catacorned out from the wall. And I can still remember, I went over and looked at him, and Greg's laying on his back. This is where Greg Godwin's ministry changed. And Greg was laying back there, and he's talking in tongues and shouting and, and, and all this. And so, anyway, and that now we're in this room in, in, in Little Rock, and that wind blows. Now, here's where it's going to get kind of weird, okay? Now, I know I've already told you I'm on medicine, so some of you are going to say, yeah, we, we know he's on medicine. And he's from California. We just kind of wonder what kind of medicine he's on right now. <laughs> and so this wind blows, 
And the next thing I know, I turn to see what the man was doing, and he falls back into a chair, and his head snapped back, and he just goes to talking in tongues. And that was it. Because the next thing I knew, I was not in that room. Now, this is weird stuff. It just, just let me get weird on you, and I'll try to bring it back to a practical something here in a little bit. And I'm, I'm now, Mr. Pounds, I'm now looking down, and I see the earth. And out of my peripheral view, something got my attention. When I turned, it was a ball of fire. And it was coming toward the earth. And I watched it. I watched it. And when it broke into the earth's hemisphere, it kind of splintered. It just, now the main one, I kept my, but I seen it just, it shot out other balls of fire. Just, but I'm watching the main one, and I watched it come over our continent, and I watched it come over the states, and I watched it come down in Oklahoma. And now I'm, I see, I can see the outline of Mogie, and then I can see that little red brick building church. And now I'm standing in the sanctuary when it hit from the pulpit. When that ball of fire hit from the pulpit, the Holy Ghost said, The darkness will not prevail against the light. That is him. And coming out of that flame of fire were angels. They were bent in forward motion. I cannot tell you a multitude of angels come out of that ball of fire. And I, it, it, it was, listen to me, just please indulge me. It was one of the most incredible things that I feel like God has ever shown me. And so it was a while. We were in prayer for a while. And so it was getting close to church time. And I called. It was on a Wednesday. And we had church at home. And I had a guy. He's pastor of the church there now. His name is Steve Clark. And so I, I, I wanted to tell Steve what was happening because I wanted to help him in the service. And so Steve answered the phone, and I said, hey, Steve, I need to talk to you. He said, oh, my God, Pastor, i got to tell you what happened. He said, I saw, now I'm going to tell you when all that was going on, when the vision came, is a little after three. And he said, I was over to church today preparing for tonight's service, and he said, I seen some stuff on the carpet, and I went and got a vacuum cleaner, and I was sweeping it up, and he said, I went back in the janitorial room, and I was putting the vacuum sweeper up. He said, Brother Morgan, this is a little after three. And he said, I heard an explosion in the sanctuary. And he said, I heard feet running through the building. And he said, I heard something say, and he said, incredible peace come to me. And I heard something say, there's nothing to fear. My angels have come now. My angels have come. I'm telling you, I felt like the prophet of old. Lord, let his eyes be open." And God was showing me that they that were for us were more than they that be against us. Now, it's amazing to me. It's a, I'm, I'm just going to go there. It's amazing to me that we start talking about angels. People are like, uh, mm, better be kind of careful. You know, that's just kind of weird stuff. You need to be careful. You know, we don't want to get to worshiping angels. I don't know about this angel stuff. And we kind of, but if I start talking about seeing a devil, everybody in the building oh, had a dark something come in my room one night. We're more prone to see the negative and what's against us than we are to see what's for us. 
if I, 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 I don't have a handle on all this. There's a lot about this stuff I don't understand. But I've always been taught in my life that there's two good ones for every bad one. So that would stand to reason if that's the case, a third of them fall. If that's the case, then it stands to reason that you got twice as much of a chance to see something to the good as you do to see something to the bad. And if we're going to do what God has called us to do in the end time, we just need to settle the fact that we believe in the ministry of angels. And I'm going to tell you, folks, listen to me. They're some bad angels. And I don't mean evil. I mean they're some bad ones. And you don't want to get in a fight with them. Now, y'all can believe whatever you want to believe. I don't think Michael is the angel of Israel. I know what Daniel said. Your chosen people. I do know that Gabriel, Daniel's praying a prayer, and Gabriel's trying to get to him, bring him a message. And the prince of Persia and all the stuff's withstanding him. And God says, I need a warring angel. Come here, Michael. As far as I can see in the scripture, Michael is the lead warring angel. And whoever the people of God is and wherever there's a battle, he goes. He goes. Are you listening? He goes. We're going to Manila, 2001. Crusades. The Muslims are blowing up Manila. I don't know if y'all remember, bombs were going off in the streets of Manila the week before the crusade. We talked about even dismissing the Crusades because of safety reasons. You listening? Whoo. I feel something in this building right now. So we, 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 we get there. We're in a prayer meeting. We're in a prayer meeting. Brother Shatwell was in there with me. Uh, Brother David Broad, who was the missionary at the time, one of the missionaries to the Philippines, we're in there, and we'd been... A little time in there, and Brother Brot's over there, and he's now Brother Brot's not prone to this stuff. If you do, you know David Brot, very practical, analytical man, just one of the sweetest, most principled men you ever meet in your life, but just not really prone to a lot of supernatural stuff. But he's over there in the prayer meeting, right, standing in a chair where you're going to go out the back door. Now, look, I'm in no hurry here tonight, okay? Because I'm not worried about preaching your sermon. I feel like the Holy Ghost has sent me to tell you something here tonight, and I'm going to lay it out and say it the way I need to say it. <clears throat> so he's, 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 he's at this door, and I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost thundered in there. It, it, it thundered in that place. And Brother Shetwell come over and said, the Holy Ghost said, pick up the sword and do what I've commanded you to do. And so I'm on my way out. i got to go change. It's Saturday. I'm, I'm speaking Saturday night in Manila. So I'm going to the room to change. And as I get to the door, Brother Brock reached over and grabbed my arm and stopped me. He said, i got to tell you something. I said, okay, what? He said, uh, I, I, I've not really had a lot of visions in my life. But he said, a while ago I had a vision. And he said, i seen the grandstand. Now, the grandstand in Lanetta Park where we had the crusade, the grandstand alone would seat about 10,000 people. And so he said, I seen the grandstand, and he said, angels, 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 angels. But he said, but standing predominantly in the midst of those angels was one. And he said, I'm telling you, 
you knew he's very high-ranking and said he was very powerful and said in the vision the Lord said ask brother Morgan who he is because in asking him brother Morgan will know that I have sent help to this place tonight and when brother Brought said do you know who he is I didn't even hesitate and don't hesitate here tonight I said Michael's here I said there's spirits of conflict I said that Islamic spirit's trying to take over this nation. They're trying to strike fear in the heart of this nation. And I said, we need a warring angel to come. Now, we all get intimidated. I want you to listen to me. We all get intimidated by the Muslim fear and what's going to happen all. And we make it so powerful and so fearful. It locked up right there. But I'm telling you, when it comes down to spiritual warfare, what's on your side? I said, what's on your side? What's on your side? Folks, this is not about fighting with guns and bayonets. This is about spiritual warfare, and this is about us doing what God's called us to do and letting the angels of God and all the help that we have do what it needs to do. Sit down, sit down, sit down. I got to move here. Now, that, that, that's, that's what happened. I seen... And you know, the light will not prevail against the darkness. So that's the first time. Now, it was about three or four years later, and I'm in Colorado Springs, and I'm at a conference and preaching. And, uh, I mean, it was exuberant worship service. I mean, it was, it was going crazy. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm telling you, above the noise of that worship service, I heard it again. I heard that wind blow. Hair goes down. And I look, and I seen this fireball hit that church. I seen it hit in front of the platform again. Well, instantly I think I know what's about to happen, but it wasn't. It wasn't angels coming out of it. It was young men. And they were bent in forward motion. And they had Bibles in their hands. And they were bent like this right here, coming out of that fire. And fire was shooting out from behind them. And the Lord said, I'm going to show you, I'm showing you how this is going to happen. I'm going to show you how this is going to happen. And so he began to speak to me about that second part that I'm coming to. He said, I'm going to ignite churches, and I'm going to ignite particular areas. There will be coming out of those places of fire, there will be flaming evangelists. And everything that is combustible that they touch is going to catch on fire. Are you listening to me here tonight? Okay, God, I, I get it. I see the angels, and I see these young men. Well, now we go down to Shula Vista two or three more years. We go to Shula Vista, and we're down there preaching, and I took some young men with me, and, and uh, I mean, Miles Young went, John Shoemaker went, some others went. We're down there, and they're out. We're knocking doors and having like a little mini crusade deal, and so they're going on outreach, and I felt the Holy Ghost say, and I was getting ready to go with them. The Holy Ghost said, I need you to stay in the sanctuary. I want to talk to you. So I said, guys, I'll catch up with you a little bit. So I was kind of kneeling over in this area. And I was talking to the Lord, and I said, now, God, you've shown me the angels of God, and you've shown me the evangelists, but I'm not sure how we get this fire. What do we do? As clear as I'm talking to you, this is what I heard. Follow the steps of Elijah. I said, okay. So I flipped my Bible open, and I got to reading about a place called Mount Carmel. Mm. And Israel was a halting nation. Israel was in a real spiritual problem area. 
See, Israel wasn't pushing Jehovah God away. We'll accept him along with it. We don't want to get him out of this, but we'll also bring in all these other gods. That's what Jezebel brought to them. And so let's just let's keep the altars to Jehovah, but we got some other gods and we got some other altars. And God said, you're a crippled nation. You're a halted nation. you you, you, you got to decide which path you're going to go down. I'm a very jealous God. You can't serve me and have a bunch of other gods. It's not going to work that way. So when, it, when Elijah looked at the nation, he seen a nation that was crippled because they want this one true God. But at the same time, let's accept all these other altars and all these other gods. And God said, no. Does that sound familiar to anything you know about right now? Does that not show you the plight of America in 2018? Yeah. Well, let's not get rid of the Christian God. Let's just accept all these other gods. Let's just bring it all in. Let's just worship at all these other altars. After all, we're all going to the same place. I hate to tell you this. Jesus didn't say, I'm one of the ways. And this is what separates true Christianity from the rest of the world. Right here, this simple statement, which is an absolute, and that's what they don't like. Trust me, I passed in a city that doesn't want any absolutes. They don't want you to say that there's no other way. They want you to be tolerant and accept all the other gods, all the other altars, all the other beliefs. I know one thing Jesus said, you can't get to the Father but by me. You cannot get to God except you come through this. He didn't say anything about Buddha. He didn't say anything about Confucius. He didn't say anything about Muhammad. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I stand here today telling you an absolute. I believe you absolutely must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. I stand here today to tell you an absolute. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God who is above all, through all, and in you all. I mean, it's just, so Elijah said, okay, he gave, him, he gave him all day. I mean, from the time the sun come up to the evening sacrifice, he gave him all day. I mean, he's, he even started making fun of them. Some of those translations, some of the things he said to them, it's hilarious. Well, I guess your God went on a vacation. I guess your God's on a journey. One translation said, I think your God went to the bathroom. <laughs> Seriously. Where is your God? He let him have all day. So don't get frustrated because it looks like evil and the false has gone a long time. They've taken the whole day. God don't need the whole day to get done what he needs to get done. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Elijah said, okay, y'all through yeah, cutting themselves. The God that answers by fire, that's the God's about to burn all this junk out of here. The God that answers by fire, because our God is a consuming fire. And the first, listen, listen, the first thing that Elijah did is he rebuilt the altar. Whoo. And the Bible says he built it with 12 stones. You know what he is reminding that crippled nation, a divided nation? You know what he is reminding them of? These 12 stones represent the 12 sons, the 12 tribes. When we got into this land, we come as a family. We're coming back to God's altar. 
God's calling his family back to the altar. And he rebuilds the altar. Are you listening? And then the next thing he does is, anybody know what the next step is? He puts a sacrifice. He offers sacrifice on that altar. You know what the third thing he did was? Dug some ditches and poured water all over the sacrifice. All the way around it. Study it. It's there. He did, and he saturates. Now, you got to understand, water's the most precious thing. Brother, they're in a drought. To, the, to everybody watching, he's wasting the most precious thing we got. And he just kept saying, you got any more? Yeah, we got a little bit left. Pour it on it. Because I know how this is going to work. If I don't make it impossible for a human being to start that fire, you people will say it was done by magic or sleight of hand, and it was a human that started that fire. I want that thing so wet and so saturated until it runs off the altar and fills down these trenches. I mean, I want this thing saturated where it is humanly impossible for that thing to be burned. And then he backed up and he prayed a 53-word prayer. Anybody know what happens next? Fire fell. Anybody know what happens next? All of Israel fell for the Lord. For the Lord. For our God is a consuming fire. For the Lord. He is our God. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. Stay with me. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. How do we know he's the Lord? He answered by fire. For our God is a consuming fire. No, 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 no. Just sit down for a second because this is where I'm going to come to you now. I'm going to come to you. I started a deal years ago called America on Fire over the very thing that I'm talking to you guys about. And I'm just going to tell you, I got myself kicked. You talk about resistance and crazy stuff and rumors and it's, it's just crazy. Until I just said, you know what, this is not worth it. It's just not worth it. Go do crusades, and I'd watch my kids give cars, and we'd give everything we had to the crusades. And then people would get it out that we were taking money from the crusades, and we was making all kinds of money. I never took a dime. Until the last crusade that I did, when Brother Ewing mandated, you are going to take an offering to do this. I mean, we gave everything. And then people start that nonsense about how we took money. and we, uh, It's just ridiculous stuff. Okay? So I just, you know, this is crazy. I just kind of put it on the back burner. Felt like, okay, you know, until a few weeks ago. And the phone starts ringing. And people start calling. Hey, Brother Morgan, it's felt like I need to tell you something. What's that? Um, we want to remind you about America on Fire. Mm, okay. So in my mind, it's about the crusade stuff. And then the other day, God said, no, 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 no. I want you to go back to the first vision. I want you to go back to it because you watched that one ball of fire, but there were many. And there are cities and communities and churches that I sent that ball of fire to. And standing in this building today, the Holy Ghost signified to me, this is one of them. I'm going to set Zanesville, Ohio on fire. 
the first thing is, I, I, I said, God, what do all these places have in common? He said, it's easy. Spiritual resistance, darkness. I preached the West Virginia camp, and it's somewhere across the bridge over here. I'm staying in this crazy little town, and I'm like, man, there's some weird vibes in the spirit here. And then I got to go into restaurants, and they had all these posters on the wall about some TV movie or something that Richard Gere had played in about that city and a bridge collapse and the Mothman and all these supernatural visitations. I'm like, oh, boy, why did they put me here? When I drove into this place last night, my wife said, ooh, it's kind of got a different, I said, yeah, like a little darkness, mm-hmm. And so the first thing that has to happen is, is we have to get that revelation. I'm sending that flame of fire to your city, and they've got warring angels in it. But the thing you need to understand is, the darkness will not prevail. And I'm sending my angels first. Push it back. <clears throat> Are you with me? Anybody feel a witness of what I'm talking about right now? So that's the first manifestation of this fire. Our God is consuming fire. Coming out of it, this church needs to understand the darkness will not prevail. God put you here to bring light. God put you here as a fire to consume in this area everything that's not like God and all the chaff. Let it burn through the church. Let it burn through the community. Let it burn through Southeast Ohio. Let it jump the river and burn through West Virginia, wherever else it needs to burn. I'd rather burn now than burn later. Our churches need to be set on fire. We need to quit playing games. Got too much chaff sitting out there, too much unbelief sitting out there. Our God is a consuming fire, and we need to get that fire to fall in our churches and consume out of this place everything that's not like God. Sit down a second. I'm not, I'm not. Now, the second thing is, and this is the key. First one, the fire, first fire comes, it brings angels, and it brings spiritual warfare and all this stuff. But the second one, was evangelist. Bibles bent in forward motion. I read this afternoon where the Bible says about angels of the Lord ministering, or his angels are spirits, but his ministers, his ministers are flaming. Whoo. And so it is the will of God to bring fire to Zanesville, Ohio. And for the angels of God to come first. And for there to be the warfare that needs to work. But that's not the end of that story. Because coming out of that, there had, this is how the apostolic revival of North America is going to happen. In that altar that we're going to build God and the fire comes, the angels of the Lord be released. And the second thing that will happen is coming out of that will be ministers, flaming evangelists, set on fire by the Holy Ghost. And they're going to target cities, and they're going to target places, and they're going to target high schools, and they're going to target their, their, their jobs, and they're going to target communities. And Are you listening to me? Are, 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 do you really hear what I'm saying tonight? Flaming evangelists. Woo. 
bent in forward motion with the Bible in their hand, fire coming from behind them. Where are you headed? I'm headed to the nearest place that I can sit on fire. God has called me. God has called me. God has called me to be a flaming evangelist. I didn't say a card-carrying evangelist. I said a flaming evangelist, an evangelist that's on fire, the people of God that's on fire. I wish somebody so catch on fire here tonight. How do we get that fire here? Follow the steps of Elijah. I preached about it this morning. There has to be the rebuilding of the altar. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I know you're standing saying, maybe if we stand, he'll quit. We cannot lose the altar. God's talking to me personally. I need, I need you to build an altar. My fire falls at the altar, but it doesn't fall on an empty altar. There has to be something on that altar for it to consume. We don't mind building an altar if we don't have to put anything on it. You're going to build an altar. And then the second thing that will happen is the spirit of sacrifice will come to this church. Finances, talents, time, every bit of it. I watched a girl one time. I was taking an offering in a church for a sacrifice to come in. This girl didn't have any money. I'll never forget it. She didn't have any money. Come off the streets. Just had received the Holy Ghost. I could still see her coming up the aisle, weeping and crying. Here in San Diego, I watched her come up the aisle. And I seen her come to that altar and look. And, and you could see her. She had nothing to give. But I'll never forget it. I watched her get up on that altar and curl up and sob and sob and sob and I heard her say I don't have any money to give you God but I give you myself I give you see some of us will give God money but we won't give him ourselves here take it's okay give, give you a little money but just, just don't ask me to get on that altar I'm telling you are we willing to sacrifice our time, our talents, and our treasures to God. There is no such thing as an apostolic revival outside the confines of sacrifice. It does not exist. I've watched churches and the spirit of giving come into it. I've stood there and literally watched them pile stuff on the altars. I mean, one service I preached at Modesto, and I, I'm not trying to impress you, just the story. I preached at Modesto on a Sunday morning. I preached about 20, 25 minutes on the altar that God built for Solomon. See, we all build God an altar, but here's the thing. Somewhere in your life, God's going to build you an altar. 
And all these other altars that they talk about, the Bible calls them lesser altars. They're altars of convenience. These were altars outside, away from the altar of God. I don't want to have to make the journey all the way down to Jerusalem. So let me just find a high place. I'm going to build it to God. I'm going to build it to Jehovah. I'm not neglecting the one true God, but I just want to build it. I just as a lesser altar. But God told Solomon, nope, 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 nope. You come to my altar. And the Bible says that at the altar of the Lord, read it, it's in there, that Solomon offered God a thousand burnt offerings. Historians say that the blood literally like a river run through the streets of Jerusalem because of all the sacrifices. And it was at the conclusion of that sacrifice that God said to Solomon, I'm going to give you a blank check. What is it that you want? Because God knows when you're coming from the altar, you're in the right state and frame of mind to ask for the right thing. Give me wisdom. He, God said, you could have asked for fame. You could have asked for riches. You asked me for wisdom, and wisdom has built her house. I'm going to grant you wisdom and all these other things. I'm telling this church right here tonight that the spirit of sacrifice is going to come to this church. Now, I lost about 50% of you right there. We want the fire to fall, but what's it going to consume? Build God's house, what you call it, God's house? You ought to get the biggest offering in the history of this church next Sunday or whenever it is when it comes to God's house. Because the preacher's telling you here tonight, if you want, this church wants to see the fire of God, you need to come up here and crawl on this altar and die out. And if God gets you up there, he got your pocketbook. Boy, it's getting kind of quiet now. I'm going to tell you something. San Francisco, we don't take dead offerings. Used to watch churches. We start talking about giving. You get the great disconnect. Get off that and I'll connect back with you. Watch them take offerings and people walk down there. Let me tell you where Jesus sat when he went to church. Next to the offering plate. Because he said, I could tell everything I need to know about you, but what you're about to put in there, right there. Boy, it is tight now. That's the wrong thing to do. He said, widow's might. God is going to call this church to sacrifice. Because it's that sacrifice that's going to bring the fire. And when that fire falls, look at I wish somebody so. Matter of fact, I don't think you have to wait till next Sunday. I know you got your plans and all that stuff and all, but we talked about altars today and we talked about sacrifice. We're talking about it now. God's asking this church for sacrifice. Do you really want to be that, that place of fire? Because if you do, you can't get around what I'm telling you right now. We got ready to do the Azusa Crusade. And uh, um, Brother, Brother Haney asked the home missions department and they said, well, we don't, at that time, we don't do crusades, so we'll get Brother Morgan and his team to do it. Of course, the team was David Smith and Greg and some others. I, you, I don't know, you might have been in the, and, and some others. And we, and so we're going to, you know, we're going to have this 100-year centennial celebration. 
and to Azusa. All the Pentecostal churches and the organizations were coming, and they're going to have this big celebration. So we're going to go, and on Friday night, we're going to have a crusade. And so we got ready to raise the budget, and we got ready to raise the budget. Uh, the hurricane went through, Hurricane Rita or whatever, New Orleans, and I mean, it's bad. And so a lot of our finances and stuff, and people weren't, they couldn't send it, and a lot of districts weren't sending it, and it just turned into a deal. So we get to the crusade, and I find out at the crusade, you don't have to raise this money. Brother Haney said, you got to raise it. <laughs> Thanks. So now I'm getting ready to go preach the crusade, and I find out an hour before church, we need a $100,000 offering. And we need you to make sure it happens. <laughs> Thanks. Friends like that, I sure don't need any enemies. <laughs> and so God has spoke to me about this text and that the fire of God fell out of Zeus. And I'm, I'm about to, the fire of God fell out of Zeus. And so I preach what I'm preaching tonight about build God an altar. Now, David Smith, you know David. I mean, if he, he'll, he'll, he'll have that thing talking in tongues. And if it doesn't, he'll still count it. He's my friend. I can talk about him. And so first song, David's down there. He's, listen to me. In the first song of that crusade on Friday night of the Zeus Centennial Celebration, David had already prayed 40-something people through the Holy Ghost. So you, you learn some of the stuff. The enemy will give you a few, and you'll miss the big deal. So I asked several people, can you take the offering? Can you take the offering? No, 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 no. And the service is blowing up. I mean, literally, it's blowing up. Thousands of people in the building. This thing's blowing up. And I'm like, dear God, I'm, we've got to raise $100,000. And this thing's blowing up. We don't, I don't even know where we're going to put the offering. We had to tell them three times, please go back to your seats. Stop the worship. Please go back to your seats. So I finally said, okay, I'll take the offering. I'll just preach. I'm going to preach about sacrifice anyway. I'll just take the offering when I preach. So I got up. I preached a little bit of what I'm preaching tonight. We're going to build God an altar. We're going to have the fire of God fall here tonight. We're going to build God an altar. And, and I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's like a volcano about to erupt. Los Angeles, downtown, Zusa. And so I said, okay, this is not going to go. So I said, okay, we're getting ready to open these altars, and the Holy Ghost is going to fall, the fire of God is going to fall, but we're going to have to give here tonight. And I said, so the ushers are placed. We're not even going to bring it down here. The ushers are strategically placed in the building, and as you come down here bring us somebody that needs the Holy Ghost, we ask you to give. We need a good offering. And so I know, I know it all come in, but before... Right after the service, Brother Miller, who was counting it at that time for North American Missions, he told me, he said, Brother Morgan, we've already counted almost $70,000. But that's, that, that's not what I really got excited about. They started giving, and then guess what happened? We reported only fifteen or 1,600. But we had somewhere between three and 4,000 people that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on that Friday night of Zeus' centennial service because the people of God were willing to build God an altar. Now, would you like to have that kind of revival and that kind of fire and that kind of impact? 
build an altar. Listen, build an altar, sacrifice, get the flesh out of the way. Don't you try to start this fire. That's called strange fire. And we know what happens to people that do that. And just back up and pray and let God do his job because I'm telling you prophetically here again tonight, it is Zanesville on fire. You were, you were one of the cities that God showed me. He, I, I, one of the fireballs that fell, it, 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 it's, it come to Zanesville. Its intent is Zanesville, Ohio. And God is asking this church right now, I'm going to send the angels to drive back the darkness. I'm going to bring out of this place flaming evangelists that are going to ignite their world. My fire is going to fall. I'm going to start consuming fear. I'm going to start consuming depression. I'm going to start consuming anxiety. I'm going to start consuming cancer. I'm going to start consuming diabetes. I'm going to start I'm going to start consuming adultery. I'm going to start consuming fornication. I'm going to start consuming addictions. I'm going to consume it. They are going to burn now. My fan is in my hand and I'm going to thoroughly purge my floor. I wish somebody soul would catch on fire. I wish somebody right now would just give God a sacrifice of praise. That's a good place to start. A sacrifice of praise. Here I am, God. I give you a sacrifice of praise. I'm weary in body. I'm tired. I don't feel good. But I'm still going to praise you because I want the fire of God to fall into my life. I want to build you an altar right now. I'm going to build, I don't want you coming. I'm going to build you an altar right now, and I'm going to put myself on that altar, and I'm going to give you a praise, and I'm going to give you a worship. I want to be on fire. I want the Holy Ghost to consume me. Just, just hang on. I know some of you are coming, but I need, I need you to wait. Those of you up here, stay up here, stay up here, stay up here. But just listen, listen, listen. Here's what I feel very strong in my spirit. I did not come. I had no intentions when I come here to talk about finance or money or anything else. Okay? But there's two or three things that needs to happen here tonight. Number one, first of all, God wants you. He wants your time. He wants your talents. And he wants your treasure. You're supposed to be good stewards of all of them. He wants you to sacrifice. He wants more of you, which means he'll get more of your talents. He'll, he'll get them all. This is God's intent for this church and the global impact that you're to have from this church. Whew. Some of you are going to come out of this church as a flaming evangelist to nations. Some of you are going to come out of this church as flaming evangelists to universities. Some of you are going to come out of this as flaming evangelists to civil government. Are you listening to me? The Holy Ghost wants to set some of you on fire. I don't know what to do. You won't have to worry about it. It's like one of those old preachers, I remember who knocked somebody and said, just set me on fire and let people come watch me burn. That's what the Holy Ghost is asking for this church. That is the word from God to this church right now. I need you to build me an altar. I need you to sacrifice. I need you to get ready because I'm going to set this place on fire. I'm going to send angels through that fire that's going to do war for you. And I'm going to ignite those evangelists that comes out of this church. 
So here's what I want you to do, whether it's tonight, next week, or whenever. But right now, before we go any further, we're going to pray and ask God right now, what do you want me to sacrifice? To some of you, it may be your time. To others, it may be talents. But I think to the majority of us, if not all of us, it's definitely our treasure. How are we going to send those evangelists? There is unprecedented finances waiting to come through this congregation. But God's waiting on a sacrifice. That's it. And the Holy Ghost will consume and burn out of this church poverty. Are you listening to me? I said poverty. And when God gets through burning the chaff and poverty out of here, the only thing that will be left standing is the glory of God and the resource. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, now I got a little resistance here right now in the spirit. I got a spirit kicking right now. Well, you know, we just don't have a lot of money, people. We just don't have this and we don't have that. Uh, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. That's not the seed of Abraham. It's mm, not the seed of Abraham. God wants to bless this church. God wants to move this church. To, are you listening to me? I, I'm not even saying going through global missions. That's not what I'm here saying. But God wants to bless this church to where you are one of the top churches and finances to propagate the gospel. Now listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. Just listen to me. Three things I'm going to tell you right now. I told him before church that God spoke to me back before the elections. Not here, this is not a political statement. He told me some stuff is going to happen. He said, I'm going to give America a little space of grace. You only got a little time. And the reason why I'm going to give you some time is you're going to fulfill my purpose. And he took me back to sitting in Brother Tom Barnes' office when Brother Barnes started talking about America. America needs to be set on fire. Matter of fact, matter of fact, Boy, I'm seeing something right now. Mm. There has to be strategically in this nation places that ignite. 1974, in 1974, A.D. Spears was preaching in California. It's either a Sunday school convention or a youth convention. And he stopped and began to prophesy. I see flames of fire starting in Northern California. He named one of the towns, Eureka. Brother, Brother McDonald and them pastor there. They, you know, they have held on to that through the years. You want to you get them passionate about something? Get them talking about the prophecy and the fire. And Brother Spears said, I see Eureka, and then I see the Bay Area, and I see the West Coast catching on fire. Now watch this. He said, I watched it spread down that West Coast, and it hit toward the southern part of L.A., and then it started across the I-10 corridor. He said, I watched that fire. He said, it started... He said it started as just little different flames, but as it began to come together, it became one flame, one united flame. He said, I watched it spread across. I'm prophesying right now. I watched it spread across the I-10 corridor. He said, I watched it start up the eastern seaboard. And he said, then I watched it as it began to spread and go toward the, across the United States. And he said, the United States will catch on fire. And God, listen to me, God has to have strategic churches in 
in places that the fire begins and the fire is beginning to burn. And so when that thing begins to move across America, guess who's going to be a vital player in all that that's going to happen? I'm looking at you right now. God said, I need somebody to get this thing started. I, 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 I just need some churches. I'm telling you, in the Holy Ghost, listen, I have not felt this strong of an anointing in years. Do you understand what I'm telling you here tonight? You are one of those cities and communities that that fireball come to. And tonight the Holy Ghost is saying, I want to set this church on fire. The angels of the Lord, evangelists, altars, giving, sacrifice. I've got a role for this church to play. My God, Brother Morgan, we're in Zanesville, Ohio. I don't care where you're at. I, I don't choose you. God does. God sees something about a place. You know what it is? He sees an altar. Somewhere in the past history of this church, there were some altar builders. And I mean, they built altars. I said, they built altars. They may not have built big churches or anything, but they knew how to build altars. And God said, that place right there, I cannot neglect a place of sacrifice. I cannot neglect an altar. I am bound for my fire to fall at the altar and where there's a sacrifice. It was destined by God years ago for his plan to operate. And your destiny was foretold in this place. And tonight, God is now telling you, this is my intent for you for the end time. You've only got a space of grace left to fulfill this. And that office, Tom Barnes said, do you know why America exists? He said, she's the new kid on the block. He said, you understand that? There's nations out there that are thousands of years of age, and they're old. And he said, but America, a little over 200 years now, he said, she is the sole world superpower. You may tell you why? I said, yeah, prophet, tell me why. He said, three reasons America exists. Number one, finance world missions. Number two, befriend and protect Israel. Number three, to get an army strong enough to stop the nations that are full of the spirit of the Antichrist before his time. America, you have a purpose. Zanesville, you have a purpose. We must set America on fire. And you have a region, and you have an area, and God is calling this church tonight. I need you to be set on fire. I wish some church would catch on fire. I wish Zanesville would catch on fire. The Holy Ghost is challenging you tonight. Do you want my fire to come? Do you want to be that church? Last words from Brother Barnes on that day was, do you know that anything that will not fulfill its creative purpose has no reason to exist. Whether it's a man, a family, a church, a nation, or an organization, if we will not fulfill our creative purpose, we have no reason to exist. So tonight, God's telling this church, here's your purpose. I need you to build me an altar. I need you to sacrifice. I need you to get your flesh out of the way. I need you to quit trying to start the fire on your own and let me consume you and let my fire fall here because I'm going to set this nation on fire one more time and I'm going to start burning some chaff out of churches and out of this nation. Woo! And then I'm coming back for you. 
I feel such a strong witness of the Holy Ghost. I feel there's an agreement with you tonight between you and the Word of God. I feel a sense of destiny in this place. We want to do it. We're going to do it. We accept our responsibility. We will fulfill the purpose of God. We have a reason to exist. You're not just some church stuck over here, wherever you're at. No, 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 no. No. I chose you. I chose you. I chose you, I chose you, I chose you. You're going to help set Vietnam on fire. I chose you. What's the other nation you told me about today? You started church. You're going to help set Guatemala on fire. I chose you. I'm going to raise up out of this congregation missionaries and evangelists. I'm going to send you to other communities. You just got started. You hear me? All these campuses and daughter works, you just got started because some of you are going to come to the altar of the Lord, and God's going to set you on fire, and then God's going to turn your attention toward a high school or, or somewhere toward a community, some, the family, whatever. He's going to turn your attention, and he's going to say right there, go set that on fire. I need you to go. My God, have mercy. I need you to go as that flaming evangelist. Just burn. Let it burn. Let the Holy Ghost in you burn. Let it burn. Let it burn. I feel the fire of God getting ready to fall in this place tonight. Some of you are like a caged animal right now. Come on, Brother Morgan. Open that altar and let me go. Whatever the sacrifice is, God's going to ask you right now. Obey. Obey. Let me tell you how serious God got with me. You ready for it? I've extended your life. I extended your life. You should have died. I extended your life. Jonathan Sanders, I believe, is a prophet. You know Jonathan Sanders? He's the one that told me, Brother Morgan, I've seen, seen the surgery. I've seen the operating room. I heard the doctor say, oh, my God, we're losing him. And he said, I instantly saw. He said, I saw you. And he said, you come to two doors. He said, you stood there, and I heard the Lord say, this door is a door of rest and peace for you. There'll be no more battles. And the other door. It's the door to my purpose for you to fulfill with the rest of your life. I'll let you choose which one you want. Brother Sanders said, you didn't even hesitate. I'm going to tell you, I've had days so dark I prayed to die. It would have been so easy at that moment. Let me go. Please just let me go. fulfill my purpose so whatever extension that God has given me in life he gave it to me to fulfill his purpose that's why I stand here tonight no game playing this is serious stuff to me right now this is why I live this is why God put breath back in my body it's for this right here I want to be a part of what God does 
in America and the world when he sets it on fire. He got out of Boshakatai. You're here because of a purpose and divine destiny. God has blessed you with what he blessed you with so you could return it back to him and fulfill. Some of you have been blessed financially because God says, I blessed you to help fulfill my purpose. No man, listen to me, no man goes to war at his own charge is what Paul said. If we're going to go evangelize and we're going to go take cities, somebody, a soldier can't raise money and fight at the same time. Somebody's got to be blessed that understands I'm not blessed so I can have a bigger house. I'm not blessed so I can drive a better car. And I believe in all of that and I want you to have it. But I am blessed to help finance the purpose of God. I am blessed to help finance the evangelists that are going to come out of this church and the missionaries. I am blessed to help us start other churches and daughter works and campuses and communities here in this state and in other states let me tell you something let me tell you something this is going to be very self-serving and selfish but I feel it right now I got all kinds of cities in the Bay Area of California I beg you to come start a church there I beg you to send me a flaming evangelist I beg you to do it I have 50 to 60 towns that surround me. They range anywhere from 40,000 to two and 300,000 people. We do not have an apostolic witness of any sort there. Send me an evangelist. Send me a home missionary. Who call it forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Send me somebody that's willing to burn for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's just one place in the world. There's nations that are like that. Millions of people that are waiting on you to burn for Jesus. So God's going to prosper and give some of you resources so you could send them forth. Set Zanesville Church on fire tonight, God. Set it on fire. Set it on fire. So whatever it is. Listen, whatever it is that God's going to ask you, finances, time, talent, treasure, whatever it is, tonight God's going to ask you. He's not going to let some of you wait till next weekend. He's going to ask you to give it tonight. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, as a church, whatever it is, this service is extremely important because God is waiting for you at his altar, not your altar. God's, God has built this church an altar tonight. I want you to listen to me. I'm, I, man, why is it when I come here such a strong prophetic whatever? This church and you is going to be like Solomon tonight. I watched Modesto. I watched Modesto. Now, when all this happens and God uses this church, don't change your image. Just keep being what you are. Aiken, why would you take a Babylonian garment? Because for all these years, I was a nomadic wanderer and I wore the same clothes. But now that I'm finally in the land of promise and the blessings of God, I want to change my image and change my clothes. And God said, but that's not who you are. God is going to raise this church up. Yes. <laughs> but don't let the organization and don't let people and don't let anybody else 
cause you to think we have to change our images to who we are. No. Just keep being Sainsville. Just keep being who you are. I preached that service about Solomon's altar. I left the service. It's a Sunday morning. I preached 20, 25 minutes. Somebody said, I wish I'd have been there. I watched over three hours. I watched Brother Keys lay on the platform in the floor. I watched that church and the altar begging and pleading with God and presenting themselves. I barely got home. Service started at 6 o'clock. I barely got to my room about 4-something. Just enough time to change. Just glance through the Bible and hope God would give me something else and get on back to church. But as I was getting ready, the Holy Ghost said, I'm going to let you see what a real Book of Acts church service looked like. I'll never forget as long as I live. When I walked back in there, a lot of those people had gone home. I watched some of them. They didn't have money, but they had stuff and things. And I watched them pile golf clubs and guns. And that's a deal for California. I watched them pile stuff. Some of it didn't have any monetary value, but it had a lot of emotional value to it. And I watched them piled up. And Brother Bounds, that altar literally was stacked, stacked with stuff and offerings and finances and money. They just kept coming in, coming through the back doors, coming down the aisle, weeping, bringing that offering and laying it on the altar. And then it happened. He was like something blew into that place. And I'm going to tell you what it was. You ready? It was the pure, unadulterated love of God. I'll never forget it. Watch what I'm about to do. Oh, Sister Bonnie Kettner, we just buried her a few weeks ago. She's the old prayer warrior of the church. She'd drive every, every day down to the sanctuary. Now, Modesto's a little rough, and she'd drive down her old beat-up car. Sometimes it starts, sometimes it wouldn't. And one of the men in the church stood up. See, this is what moved Jerusalem. It wasn't the miracle signs and wonders. It was that they were giving one to another, and they were helping one another. And Jerusalem seen the love of God in operation. You get to that altar, God will burn all that self stuff out of you. You quit being so concerned about self and you'll start looking around. Mm. One of the men stood up in that service on there. He said, the keys, Sister Bonnie, that old car. He said, I want to buy her car. She prays for my family. She prays in the spirit of giving. It just, and then it fell. It fell. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. The fire finally came. And today, the same thing is God is asking in this church. Will you come to my altar? If you will, and you'll give me what I ask you, I'm going to give you a blank check. I'm going to give you whatever you ask from me. That's a pretty powerful thing from God. Now are you ready? Now you see why I kept you back. God's built this church and altar tonight. And I'm wondering how many of you out there right now I'm willing to come to that altar. Whatever it is God asks you to bring. 
I'm, 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 I'm coming to the altar. I'm coming to the altar. This is the altar of the Lord. This is not my altar. I built this is an altar that God built for me. I'm coming to this altar. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're going to come, and then the fire of God's going to fall on this place here in a little bit. And I just really believe that miracles and signs and wonders are going to manifest in this building tonight. God's going to burn some stuff. Come on, that's it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. That's it. Come on, come on, come on. Press in. Press in. If you're bringing an offering, just throw it up here. They'll get it later. Come on. That's it. Come on. That's it. Come on. This is a very significant service. This is a very significant service. All your previous services in the veins of Burns and all them, it's been leading up to this service right here. God's been setting the stage for this service right here, right now, 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 right now. God's calling this church to his altar. This church is coming together tonight. We're coming as a family. We're coming as a family to the altar of the Lord. God's watching what I'm about to put on that altar. God's going to watch my sacrifice. God's sitting next to the altar like he did with the widow, and he's watching my sacrifice. He wants to see what I'm about to give him. He wants to see if I will obey. He wants to see if I will do what he asked me to do. He's wanting to see if I really sacrifice that. It may be he wants you to spend more time with him. It may be he wants that talent. It may be he wants that treasure, but he's going to ask you for something tonight, and it's very important that as a church, we give God what he wants tonight at this altar. So I'm going to ask you right now to fervently pray. Come on. Fervently pray. Fervently pray. It's getting just a little late. That's okay. Fervently pray. Fervently pray. There it goes, fervently pray, fervently pray, fervently pray, fervently pray. Come on, let the cry come from your soul. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I'm coming to the altar of the Lord. I'm coming to the altar of the Lord. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Come on, pray. Keep crying out just a little longer. Just a little longer. Just a little longer. Come on, it's got to die. This has got to die tonight. Not my will, but thy will be done. I, I, I got I to do what God told me to do. I got to give him what he told me to give him. And I'm not just talking about money. I got to give him what he says to me. Not my will, but thy will be done. Something's about to happen. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You got to look beyond the sacrifice and see the fire. Woo! The God that answers by fire. Our God is... A consuming fire.
Come on, something's happening in this altar right now. Something's happening in this altar right now. Woo! Our wills are dying. Our wills are dying. <coughs> here, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a cup. Will you drink it? Some of you are trying, oh, God, not that. I, I, not that sacrifice. You're, surely you can't ask me for that. Come on, Abraham. I'm calling you to an altar for you to put your only son on it. I'm calling you to an altar of sacrifice. No, 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 no. Don't ask me for my boy. Don't ask me for Isaac. Come on, Abraham. Are you willing to give me your only son? Are you willing to put that on the altar? Are you willing to put the most, the strongest bond you have? Are you willing to put that on the altar? What kind of an emotional attachment do you have with what God's asking you on the altar? The last, the last altar that Abraham ever built was an altar of ultimate trust in God. Take your son. Go up that mountain and worship. Even on the way up, the boy said, Dad, we got wood, we got fire. And I know you'll build an altar. But where's the sacrifice? <laughs> and Abraham said, God will provide. And this church is standing at that final altar tonight. And God's asking some of you to give something you got a strong emotional attachment to it. Don't ask me for that. Don't ask me for that. But I will tell you, when he put that boy on the altar, raised his hand to worship God, he was so intent on obeying God that God had to call his name twice, Abraham. And he still got the knife in his hand, Abraham. Yes, Lord. Now I know that thou lovest me more than anything else. Look over in the thicket. There's a ram. And when Abraham walked off that mountain, you know what he called it? Jehovah Jireh. For the Lord will provide. When I put what I had on the altar, God provided the real need over here. And if we'll put it on the altar of what God wants, tonight in the Holy Ghost, there's a ram coming up the other side of the mountain. And he's going to get caught in a thicket. 
And God is going to be Jehovah Jireh to his purpose, to his will, and to his plan for this congregation. And you will open the windows of heaven, and you will open the gate of heaven for this church. Now, one more time, I'm going to ask you to cry aloud to God with worship and with praise. Come on, one more time. One more time. One more time. Take now thy son. There you go. Take now thy son. Just keep doing that. The fire is getting ready to fall. Oh, you'll know it when it happens. If you'll stay at that altar right there and keep crying out to God, the fire of the Holy Ghost is going to fall in this place, and God's going to consume some things. Woo! I said, crawl up on that altar. Crawl up on that altar. Consume out of me everything that's not like you. Consume the world. Consume, consume it out of me. Woo. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Some of you are getting really close to the fire of God about to fall on your life. You're just a few minutes away from that altar right there that the fire of God's about to fall on your life right now. Come on, it's about to fall in this place. I said, it's about to fall in this place. I predict to you there'll be diseases consumed in this altar tonight. I tell you, there'll be diseases consumed in this altar tonight. There'll be things that have tormented you for years that will be consumed in this altar tonight. Give, him, give it to him. 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 Put it on the altar and give it to him right now. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. I, I know some of you get a little weary and tired. I am too. But you got to press. I need you to press. I need you to stay at the altar till it dies. I need you to stay at the altar. The fire of God's getting ready to fall in this place. I think some of you will literally see physical flames of fire when it happens. What you're about to witness in this building tonight, I believe God wants to send to major auditoriums all around the world, and this church needs to be involved in it. Let us start here right now. Let us see the manifestation of the Holy Ghost and fire on this altar tonight, God. Let that bolt of fire come from the throne. Let it hit your body right now. Let it search out the disease. Let it search out the darkness. Woo! God can't bypass that altar. God can't bypass that sacrifice. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. 
Now, you've come as, you've come representing individuals. But he said, I need you to give me 12 stones because I need you to come as a family now. There ought not be division in the body. It's not different tribes, different departments. Are you listening? Different ministries, whatever. One family. Family of God, the people of God. You all hear me tonight? One family. One family, 12 stones. So we've prayed as individuals. We're putting things on the altar as individuals. But what God is really after tonight is not just that. He's also after this church collectively saying, as I said today, not our will, God, but your will be done. And so we're, again, going to join as a family. Just a second. We're going to join as a family. And we're going to cry out to God as a family. And I really believe that's where something's going to happen. I have no doubt the fire of God's coming to this church. I believe God will confirm his word here tonight. But if he chooses not to, I have no doubt. It is going to come to this church. And so we're going we're gonna to let God know tonight as a family. We started it this morning. We're going to let God know as a family. We want your will to be done in this church more than anything else in all the world. We want, we want to die out to our will and let your will be done. We're coming as a collective family here tonight, God. Twelve stones, one family. We're coming together. All the departments are coming together. We have to fulfill the vision of God. We can't be working independently of each other. We all have one common thing, whatever the vision of God is for the church. Everything that every department, every ministry does has to be about fulfilling that vision. Whew. One family, one family, one voice, one people, one language. If they could do it at the Tower of Babel, we ought to be able to do it as the people of God. Are you ready? Join as many as you can all the way across this place. One family. One family. It'd be a good time for God to burn out of some of you jealousy, envy. Are you listening to me? Offenses. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Why don't you put it on the altar and let God burn it out of your life once and for all? You can't hardly talk to them across the church. Let the fire of God come, put it on the altar and let God consume it. One family, no division. No division, one family. One united front to do the will of God. Woo! There you go. Now pray as a body. That's it, pray as a body. Pray as the family of this church is standing at the altar of the Lord as a family tonight, and we are offering you our sacrifice of praise. Honor our sacrifice. Honor the fact that we want to do your will. We want to fulfill your purpose and your will.
I think as an act of humility before the Lord, be very appropriate if you got on your knees, if you're physically able. Tell the Lord, it's not my will, but yours be done. It's an act of humility around this room and around this sanctuary and in this altar. If you begin to pray on your knees to the Lord. Come on, around this room, you don't have to... I want you to tell the Lord, I am yours. I am building the altar tonight. Your fire will fall as you've said. I will carry this message away from this, this church tonight. Come on, all over this room, I want you to begin to make that covenant with the Lord. Come on, I want you to speak to the Lord with your knowledge of the word tonight and begin to make a covenant with him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. All over the building, those that can. It's an act of humility before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I receive your fire. Lord, I receive your fire.